It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. Hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. The TGIF edition gets you to the weekend. Welcome in, everybody. Uh, It's great to have you along. Thank you for being with us uh, here as uh, we've got uh, a Pirate Report with Mike Swartz coming up next segment, and we'll talk some college ball with Brian Mall later on in uh, today's uh, show. Something happened to me for only the second time that uh, has ever happened to me today. We uh, had it on our Facebook. We're going to have Joe Giglio on, and we actually, I did record an interview with Joe earlier. Now, sometimes Ben is able to assist me in recording the interview, sometimes Cookie, Sometimes Pilkington, sometimes Michael Busimi from the company, sometimes Clark. And then sometimes I'll just record the interviews myself because it's easier to do it that way, given the time that somebody might be available. I don't do it for all of our interviews, but we do it for, you know, ones that require us to do it, quite obviously. And, you know, I've got a setup where I can do that. Well, today's just been such a crazy day. I probably should just taken it off um, that I was a little out of my normal routine. And we, we're going to have Joe Giglio on to talk some college uh, football. And we, we did interview him about NC State and UNC and bowl games and the expanded playoff. And lo and behold, I did not save the interview. So there's no Joe Giglio. We might get Giglio next week. <laughs> ah, so uh, anyway, it, it's only the second time that's ever happened to me, Mike. And the first time was many, 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 many years ago. Uh, in uh, Raleigh at uh, PTF, the second go-around there. Uh, it was a good, another good interview at the time with Charlotte Flair and uh, did not save it. It was, it was a good interview. All right, um, so uh, we'll talk to Brian Mull coming up. We've got Pirate Basketball uh, on the docket this weekend. Our coverage will begin at uh, 1 o'clock on uh, Sunday. And uh, we'll have 1.30 network airtime. Hear the game on 94.3, the game 2 o'clock, Coppin State at ECU. I'll be on the ESPN Plus call alongside uh, Cy Seymour. Uh, but uh, you can listen to the game here if you are uh, out and about on Sunday. Uh, we've also got Panthers football coming up for you on Sunday on our sister station. Talk 103.7, uh, 425 kick between the uh, Panthers and Seahawks. The surprising Seattle Seahawks. Coming up tonight, one of the uh, four true Eastern North Carolina, one of the four true Eastern teams competing in the state finals this weekend. 15 and 0 Newburn Bears against the 15 and 0 Grimsley Whirlies. Uh, Bears have been uh, fantastic all season. This ought to be a dynamite game tonight, and uh, looking forward to uh, to perhaps watching a little bit of it on the uh, on the tube, as uh, that game will kick uh, tonight, seven o'clock. Uh, from what I understand, they only let school out early. Uh, to, actually, they even let school out early. They had no school today in Craven County. Across the board, not just Newburn, but all the way across the board. So folks could get to Chapel Hill tonight and uh, watch the game from uh, Newburn, or students could. That's kind of interesting. Uh, so that's coming up uh, again at 7 o'clock. Tomorrow at 3 p.m. from Carter-Finley Stadium, 
It is uh, Tarboro at 13-1 against Mount Airy at 14-1. 3 o'clock uh, kick there, and that is in the 1A championship game. Tarboro playing for its third straight state title. The Vikings are going to have their quarterback at safety, Omari and Lewis, on the field. He was actually tossed from last week's East Regional Final against Rosewood after a fight broke out, a brouhaha, if you will. Uh, Tarboro appealed that decision and won, so now Lewis will be on the field. So good news for the Vikings there as they take on the Granite Bears. This is a rematch of the 2017 title game won by Tarboro. The Class 2A title game will feature East Duplin, and they will take on Reedsville. Now, this will be a game that will be played on Saturday in Chapel Hill with an 11 a.m. kickoff on Saturday from Keenan Stadium. Uh, East Duplin is 14-1, Reedsville 14-1. Panthers of uh, ED are riding a 13-game win streak since they lost to Princeton in August 58-57. Reedsville lost to Page 22-14. And a good ground game for East Duplin in this one. Spread offense for Reedsville. Look, Reedsville, all they do is win championships. It's title town. They've got about two dozen state titles in their trophy cases for football. This is a really, really talented uh, group. And then uh, coming up uh, tomorrow night at Carter-Finley Stadium, 7 o'clock, Northern Nash, who is number one in the uh, 3A East at 15-0. They knocked off Fayetteville 71st last Friday, 23-22. They will take on East Lincoln, who gutted out a win over always tough South Point, 14-7 in the West. Both teams are 15-0, and that'll be tomorrow night at uh, Carter-Finley Stadium. So that's the 3A state championship game as the high school football uh, season comes to an end this week. Some local hoops tonight. Uh, Rose is at Corinth Holders in uh, Johnston County. It's on the high school basketball scene. It is uh, boys and girls hoops here we're talking. Uh, Conley is at uh, Washington tonight. How about that? Uh, We've also uh, got Farmville Central playing at Southwest Edgecombe uh, tonight. Usually a good girls game. Uh, Tomorrow, the uh, Farmville boys will play at Wilson Prep in a uh, big basketball jamboree thing going on over there. That game's like at 9 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, We've also got uh, locally uh, tonight Green Central taking on North Pitt. It is Aiden Grifton at West Craven. Greenville Christian takes on and hosts the Eastern Carolina Homeschool. JP2 is at Faith Christian tonight. And uh, we've got uh, Parrot Academy at Wayne Christian tonight. Uh, It'll be uh, Pitt Community at home tomorrow. They will be taking on Fayetteville Tech at 3 o'clock. That is the local rundown uh, for you. Uh, Some things we'll get into on uh, Monday. We're going to have a a college football uh, bowl season guest. Uh, But there's this uh, potential merger that is out there now. Uh, an 11th FBS conference could be emerging onto the uh, scene, the WAC and the Atlantic Sun. 
And uh, that's kind of interesting. Five wax schools. Uh, the Atlantic Sun. It's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll dive into that in some more detail on Monday. Also next week, uh, middle of the week, Rini Angolia will be on with us, uh, ESPN college football announcer, and uh, a lot more. So all of that is coming up. Uh, let's uh, grab a uh, break, and we'll come back and do a pirate report for you here on this uh, Patrick Johnson show Friday. It's the Get You to the Weekend edition. And uh, we'll get you set for Coppin State and ECU. Comments from Coach Swartz straight ahead here on the Patrick Johnson Show and our Pirate Report. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. It's ECU and it's Coppin State, 2 o'clock on Sunday. The game will be played at uh, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum, and we'll have uh, coverage beginning uh, that day for you at 1, 1.30 on the network, and then 2 o'clock uh, right here on 94.3, the game Pirate Hoops uh, that day. Let's start with uh, Mike Swartz addressing the media today. He talked about uh, a trying week as far as trying to get better on the floor, but also a uh, tough week because it is finals week. Uh, coming off of a game where we have a lot we need to improve on from our game uh, at Wilmington the other night. Um, tough opponent coming in and um, Coppin State, uh, obviously a dynamic, dynamic scorer, one of the very best in the nation, uh, but, but they're a lot more than just him, but he's obviously a great challenge for us. And, um, you know, again, in the middle of finals right now, two days of practice preparation as we move forward to it. And uh, again, a lot to improve on from our last outing. All right, Coach Swartz asked about uh, the balance of practice on the floor and, of course, uh, having guys rested and ready for final exams. Yeah, you know, we had to, you know, just the way it is this time of year across the country, sometimes you get extended breaks. A lot of teams, I know a couple people, coaches I've talked to around the country had 10-day breaks right now, and just the way the schedule works out. So uh, we did take uh, the day after the game we were off. The guys had to lock in on finals because when we played the game versus Wilmington, it was right on the cusp of finals starting. So our guys have been in exams the last two days, and we've just had to pick and choose our time, when we can get in, when we can practice, and, and then today and tomorrow, We'll be back on a full schedule as we lead into Sunday. It is today's Pirate Report. Mike Swartz talking to the media, and he was asked about uh, any surprises that have cropped up as a first-year head coach a month in. Uh, you know, I, that probably happens every day to some degree. There's something that pops up, and I think that's normal whether you're in your first year, whether you're um, you know, a veteran or seasoned in terms of many years of being head coach. But I think the thing that we are looking at the most, we're trying to stay on one one avenue is putting 40 minutes together of who we are as a basketball team and we haven't done that yet um you know a lot of that is continuing to establish our identity but also just being able even when we do feel like we're playing well in games including the other night versus wilmington i mean the first 12 minutes were really we thought we played pretty good basketball the last five minutes it wasn't about winning the game as we were trying to win the game but the score you know the game was you know it was going to take something really special to come back and be in that game but the last five minutes we built on something so I've often said this that every single thing we do whether it's a meeting a film session practice 
individual workout or in a game in a particular situation since there are a lot of firsts like you said in our first month we're learning we're teaching uh, we can never take a moment that is just taken for granted and I think that's probably been as I've been my first year you realize that every single moment regardless of if it's important to everybody else and it's the game or it's a, a it, every single moment is a teachable moment, and, and we're trying to get better from those. And then uh, Coach was asked about reaching out to the guy he worked for for so many years, Rick Barnes, and other mentors in the basketball coaching business. Of course, uh, all the time. I mean, as I speak with current head coaches, Coach Barnes, I spoke this morning to uh, Jerry Wainwright, uh, who to me is someone I respect, and I spoke about him prior to the Wilmington game, and I saw him at the Wilmington game and we spoke this morning, you know, and uh, I think you're doing that consistently. And sometimes it's because there's someone specific, and sometimes it's because it's just conversationally, and, you know, and stuff comes up. So absolutely, though, and I think that's a great point. And he was asked, was uh, Mike Swartz, about uh, Luigi DeBoe, who is uh... – not played the last couple of outings for the Pirates. It's definitely not an injury concern, and I would definitely never say it's not about not fitting. I think we've talked about it here before that, you know, rotation, you know, it needs to be narrowed a little bit so guys can get in in a little bit of a rhythm. And, uh, you know, at this present time, just over the last couple games, I think you've seen that that Ezra Osar has been playing some of his best basketball. And, you know, and Valentino does a lot of really good things for us in practice. And, uh, you know, so trying to get him out there a little bit. And, you know, again, I think that's an been a flow of every season. I think early in the season we were playing 12, 13 guys, and I think that had to be narrowed a little bit, but that by no means uh, translates in that Luigi. It will stay the same for Luigi. I think what we do in practice is what determines what happens in the game, and it's just been like that for the last couple of games. Coach has talked about the uh, need to get better. Started off talking about that in the press conference. Uh, our Ben Byram asked him what areas specifically is he honing in on to get better as a team? A big thing is going to be because of the fact that we use switching a lot over demons, you know, I think there's a couple different philosophies. I think I've been in both where we, you know, we, I haven't been a part of always feeling like switching is always the best thing, but when you have a shot blocker and you have someone that can protect the rim, if you want to pressure a little bit, you can get away with not switching some because you do have that kind of second, third layer of defense. This team doesn't have a shot blocker. That's not something that, you know, right now we don't have. So whether it's rotations and looking to fill the paint up with charges or it's looking to switch. But with switching, which we've done, and we've had success switching, it's actually helped us win a few games. With switching becomes rebounding late clock in cross matches where we might have one of our point guards on their big wing like the other night you know Trezarian White is their big wing he's a wing for them and now our point guards ended up on him late clock and it's not that it's a fight in the paint but Trezarian White is coming from the three-point line and he's sprinting to the glass he did an unbelievable job I mean 10 rebounds in one half and obviously I think he had 14 in the game but point being is now you're saying Javon or Caleb or Winston it's not just about blocking out a post player. It's finding someone coming from the perimeter because the switch happened earlier in the possession. So between post defense and rebounding out of cross matches, that's where our focus really is right now, next couple of days, but really where we need to be as long as we continue with our switching defense. And uh, Coach Mike Swartz asked about the uh, play the last week or so from uh, Ezra Ozar, the uh, freshman for the Pirates. I do think he's capable. But, uh, but I think, like, if everybody tries to do everything, 
you, you never can hone in on a skill set that maybe is, is beneficial at the current moment to, to best suit trying to win or trying to be successful. So I think Ezra works on his shooting every day. I think Ezra can be a good shooter. I think he is a solid shooter, and there's times he shows it in practice. But I think what's really helped Ezra is he's blocked that out of his mind, and he said, i got to concentrate in A, B, and C to try and really be successful. And I think players do that. They, they kind of hone in on a certain area, and they say they have to narrow their focus to become successful. And then slowly but surely, their roles can grow and they can expand a little bit. And then uh, Coach was asked about uh, Ozar and Brandon Johnson playing together more. Yeah, you know, Brandon obviously can play inside and out a little bit more, but they both can bring presence scoring in the paint. We've obviously gone to that lineup the last couple games, and we think it's uh, we think it's something that can be good for us. Um, yeah, I think, you know, in terms of interior passing and playing off each other on offense and reading what the other guy's doing, I think that's – I think any time we can go – I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're 10 games in, and I don't think anybody on this team may be outside Jaden Walker from his freshman year at Iowa State, and I'm not 100% sure – but I don't think many guys have more than 10 career starts right now at the Division One level, uh, and it would be in the 10 games that we've had. And I don't even—not every guy has started every game. So, point being is, I think that's going to naturally happen in practice. It's going to happen in competition in the games. And um, you know, the first play of the game up at Wilmington, those guys were in sync, and you know, post-to-post pass from Brandon Ezra, and he gets a finish at the rim, which was a big play for us. So, you hope we'll see more plays like that. Today's Pirate Report ahead of ECU and Coppin State Sunday at two, and uh, been by. Had some shots fall at UNCW. A welcome sight, according to Coach Mike Swartz. Here's Coach. Yeah, 100%. And again, I, I really I tell you, if you came to our practices and you watched how the guys encouraged Ben to shoot and the coaching staff, and it's just about taking the right shot. I mean, if Ben continues to take the right shots, some of those shots where his percentages have not been high because he took the wrong shot, it's not necessarily just missing shots. And he's going to take the right shot and miss those shots too. But the point is, if he learns shot selection and takes the right shots, he's not going to have a problem with anybody here, our team, our teammates, coaches. We all believe in him. We want him to do it. And, and again, he's starting. Obviously, his percentages aren't high, but he's starting because of the fact the way he plays defense is rebounding his effort. And if he does that, we know it'll carry over to the offensive side. For many, 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 many seasons, uh, the great Cy Seymour coached at Craven Community College. He was at the JUCO ranks, very successful there. And uh, he has told me that it takes these JUCO guys when they make the transition to D1 about to, you know, late December, but more like January before they really kind of get their sea legs, if you will. They get used to everything. And you'll start to see some real blossoming of their game. Ben Biala put up some pretty good offensive numbers at the uh, junior college level in Texas. And this is uh, Coach Swartz talking about uh, what he expects out of Biala as the season progresses. I, I would hope so. And we know Ben's a very talented offensive player. He really is. I mean, I don't know if we were ever, you know, said, hey, he's going to be the leading scorer, this or that. I mean, it could happen. But the point being is we never felt like he is a one one side of the court player, just defense. He's a guy that can score the basketball. He can do it inside a little bit. He can drive it. He can shoot the ball. And it just hasn't gone down for him. But I'll go back to prior to the Hampton game, I believe it was, way back when, you know, Ben was getting ready to be in the starting lineup way back then. And he rolled his ankle the day before the game. And it kept him out. And then Florida, he he was in and out because just getting back and so so on and so forth. Then you come back and you got Old Dominion. He was a little... So Ben was playing really good basketball in practice 
into our third game of the season, which I believe was Hampton. And he was going to be in the lineup, and it just, you know, sports, he got banged up. And now, you know, hopefully I think we're starting to see him kind of get his rhythm again. For Winston Tabs, it was a, a situation, or it has been a situation of needing to not only knock off Russ, but also get back into a game shape. Coach uh, Swartz was asked by our own Philip the Ref Pilkington about uh, that process and the progress that Winston Tabs has made. It's really the same. I mean, Winston is really working hard every day. And it's just you're at the point in the season where you can't use the games to get in shape. You know, this is, that wouldn't be fair to our program. It wouldn't be fair to the other guys. So Winston plays and his minutes are based on what he's able to do physically. You know, we know Winston is a really dynamic player, but trying to pinpoint a time frame on when you're going to get back in full game shape, when maybe your cardio's back, but how well are you moving and exploding on offense or defense? Or maybe that's back, but your timing on the other. So I think it's just, it's still an uphill battle in terms of putting it all together and it all, you know, kind of coming together at the same time. And I think there's been moments where he played more than people thought he would early in the season. And probably, like you said, maybe there's been some moments where people saw the UT Arlington game and said, well, hey, maybe this is it. He'll play 20 minutes from here on out. And I just don't think it works like that when you've taken that much time off. And I think Winston's had an incredible attitude. He works every day and eventually it will you know, it will come together. Coppin State has some really good guards led by Sam Sessoms. He's uh, played in the Big Ten and been a productive uh, player there. He was a really good player in the NEC prior to going to Penn State. So this is the third stop for him. He's averaging uh, just under 24 per game. Had that uh, number against NC State on Tuesday. And so uh, Ben Byram asked Coach Swartz about how to uh, try to to defend and, and limit the point productivity of Sesums for Coppin. Uh, you know, I, I wish there was a great answer for the, the second half of that. But what makes the you know the easy part is he's a very just a dynamic basketball player. I mean, he can score driving the basketball. He can play at the mid range. He can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot the three ball really, really well. He's shooting forty percent. He's a uh, redshirt senior. I mean, extremely experienced. He's been in battles from me. So it's going to be an incredible challenge for not only our guards guarding him, but our whole team. You're not going to stop uh, Sessoms with one player. There's no way. And, and that doesn't mean uh, that, that some, you can't be effective or hopefully be effective with how you guard him you know, one-on-one, but the simple fact is it's going to take a team effort to make sure that, you know, because scoring 24 games, one of the leading scorers in the nation, and and he can really score every which way on the court. He doesn't have a weakness as an offensive player in terms of scoring the basketball. So, uh, you know, it's a great challenge and and something that, you know, our guys are going to have to accept. What's your overall team scouting report for Coppin State? Very, very fast-playing team, one of the top 20 teams in the country pace of play I mean they're going to push the basketball they're going to get the ball up quick in transition you know they don't have a ton of long possessions not that they you know couldn't or don't do it but the first good shot they get they got dynamic guards you know people talk about Sessoms a lot you know their combo forward and Tark is a real you know mismatch problem he can score inside he can score outside he can drive the basketball they're going to play a defense that looks to turn you turn you over I mean, the way that they do some of their switching techniques that they use and some of their different man zone, some of the different things they do. So they're going to force tempo. I mean, so forcing tempo with really good guards that can score the ball, that really have a versatility on defense in terms of them switching, 
I mean, you know, they've played NC State, they've played Georgetown, they've played Maryland. They're 11 games in, so they've experienced really good competition. They've been in two overtime games already, so uh, you know we, we know we have more than our work cut out for. Little Ben B Baby Byram in there for you. Long day for Ben. Great work as always. Uh, great job by our crew covering uh, that. Coppin and ECU at two o'clock on Sunday from uh, Minji's Coliseum. We hope you'll head out to the game and be a part of it, as uh, it'll be a two o'clock tip. ECU and. Coppin State from Minji's Coliseum on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Christmas with Craig Woolard and the Embers for Pitt County Operation Santa Claus, your favorite holiday music live, wonderful family entertainment, and all of the ticket money goes to charity, Pitt County Operation Santa Claus. So this is important that you buy your tickets. Uh, it'll be a week from Monday on December 19th at 7 o'clock, Reimage Church in Winterville, located on Victory Lane. Uh, the Embers Christmas Show is a very special family event. It's a beautiful family uh, event. Uh, of course, uh, Craig Woolard leads the group in an old-fashioned Christmas experience that'll leave the audience in a festive holiday mood. The show plays to sell out crowds from Myrtle Beach to Richmond each year. And Interbank's media radio stations will host the Embers so that you can enjoy this unique family Christmas experience. All gate receipts from the show will go to Operation Santa Claus, local effort by the Greenville Fire and Rescue to donate toys to needy children in Pitt County at Christmas time. The fund is administered by the Pitt County Salvation Army. And it is a uh, beautiful, uh, beautiful uh, thing. You can uh, go to uh, 943thegame.com or WTIBFM.com, WNCT 107.9's website, however you want to uh, play it. And you can uh, purchase your tickets uh, online today. We have great local sponsors that help bring us this. So all of the ticket sales will go to charity. Uh, Ember's Christmas show sponsors include Hardee's, Greenville Utilities, The Air Doctor, Telco Credit Union, where you can buy uh, tickets at the Telco location in Greenville also, GoEco, Greenville Toyota, 264 Shoes and Apparel, Pair Electronics, Southern Bank, also Specialty FDR, Fantastic Sam's, Speedy Oil Change and Auto Service, and AmeriHealth Caritas, North Carolina. Just some of the great uh, sponsors that are bringing you the Embers Christmas show here in 2022, which uh, is coming up on the 19th. A break. We'll come back. And uh, Brian Mull to wrap up uh, things. Next segment. Time for toys and time for cheer. One, two, three, four. Wrapping up the week, talking college hoops. This is a uh, big hoop weekend. Brian Mull, who uh, covers college basketball, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, collegeinsider.com, is with us on the uh, on the horn, as it, as it were. Brian, how are you? Happy Friday. I'm doing well, Patrick. Happy, happy Friday to you and to all the listeners. All right. Hey, uh, they, they talk about uh, during the football season and, and the worldwide leader likes to give – 
you know, names of a, of a weekend, if it's a big week, a separation Saturday or a put up or shut up Saturday or uh, your mama said, I don't know. They just come up with all kinds of names for things, right? And uh, to me, this is kind of a prove-it weekend in some ways for the American that's had some some tough games over the course of the uh, non-con schedule collectively. Of course, I know Houston's number one, and uh, their matchup is probably the matchup of the weekend as they'll have number eight Alabama tomorrow at 3 o'clock on a nationally televised game on ABC. A huge, huge moment here for both these teams. Nate Oates' group, who's already knocked off UNC this year, and then obviously Kelvin Sampson in Houston, they're just loaded. They really are, and uh, a game I'm, I've been looking forward to uh, since the schedule came out. As you may remember, a bit of a controversial ending in their matchup last year in Tuscaloosa, where Alabama escaped with a one-point victory, and uh, a little heated there at the end. So I'm sure this game has been uh, front and center for a lot of the Houston players, and maybe even Kelvin Sampson and his staff as an opportunity to enact some revenge on the Crimson Tide. Uh, they'll be favored in this game, and uh, I think it'll, it'll be a terrific kind of precursor to what we could get in March. Uh, both these teams will certainly be in the field and uh, arguably vying for a top one or two seeds, uh, depending on how the season plays out. Um, was it a goal 10 last year? That's the big question, right? No doubt. No doubt. I mean, you could... Uh, <laughs> You could you could break it down frame by frame. It was awfully awfully hard to say, uh, and, and a shame that such a highly contested uh, game was decided in that fashion. Yeah, what do you uh, see from Houston that you really have have liked out of them this year? And then give us a little bit of the uh, the scouting report on Bama. Well, Houston checks a lot of boxes. Uh, with Marcus Sasser, you have a legitimate national player of the year candidate. Uh, certainly uh, Jamal Sheed grew as a point guard in Sasser's absence last year and uh, has certainly filled that role uh, as ably as he has in the past. And then when you look at, uh, you know, the front court, uh, Jarris Walker came in five-star recruit, the first, the best signee for Kelvin Sampson during this run at Houston and a lot of expectations. Well, his production has certainly matched that. I mean, he's a, he's a beast, six foot eight, 240 pounds can step out and hit the occasional three, but really does most of his work on the backboards. And, uh, yeah, they just defend at an unbelievable level. Uh, any metric that you want to use, points allowed, points per possession, uh, field goal percentage, it doesn't matter how you measure it. Uh, they force turnovers. They're just in your grill for 40 minutes and making every pass, every shot, every rebound a challenge. So, uh, you know, it, it's a it's – a, tried and true formula built for success. You look at Alabama on the other end, uh, certainly their offense and their pace always gets most of the attention, but this is a team built around defense as well. They just do it in a little bit different fashion. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of athleticism, a lot of length, real size across the board. I mean, and then another, you talk about potentially the best freshman in the country in Brandon Miller at six foot nine, 200 pounds, but can play on the perimeter, shooting 47% from three, rebounds of the ball, uh, forces some turnovers, blocks some shots, and just a matchup nightmare. And then certainly they have a lot of good pieces around him. They've got Javon Quinterly back in the fold, who tore his uh, ACL at the, in the NCAA tournament game last year. Mm -hmm. And 
he's been he's back and and certainly getting up to speed. I think his best basketball is ahead of him. So, uh, you know, this is an Alabama team that will will be a contender in the SEC. I think until the final week of the season and certainly a team that uh, could make some noise in March. Well, this is a it's a final four matchup tomorrow, Alabama and Houston. I mean, there's there's no two ways uh, about that. Uh, Brian Mull with us, uh, Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook, also collegeinsider.com. I, I say the phrase kind of a put-up or uh, shut-up Saturday or a major Saturday for the American because uh, Memphis in particular has a huge game tomorrow afternoon at number 11 Auburn. Uh, or playing number 11 Auburn in Atlanta, Georgia. It's part of kind of like a day-long uh, deal of hoops at the State Farm Arena there. But uh, Memphis and number 11 Auburn on a neutral floor, that's a big-time game. And, I mean, that has a second weekend feel about it. No doubt. And if you're Memphis, it's a great opportunity because losing to Auburn by you know a narrow margin on a neutral court won't hurt your resume in any form or fashion. I mean, Auburn's most certainly going to be a quad one team at the end of the season, but it's a great opportunity to win and bolster a, you know, a resume right now that uh, is solid, but uh, certainly doesn't have a marquee victory. I mean, their highest rated win at this point is Ole Miss, who's probably a bubble team. So uh, they have they have an opportunity here this week with games against Auburn and Alabama mm-hmm. and an upcoming game against Texas A&M to, to knock off some teams that are most likely going to be in the bracket. I've been impressed by what I've seen from this Memphis team. Certainly Kendrick Davis, anybody who's followed the American, knows what he can do on the perimeter. And uh, DeAndre Williams is an absolute just ferocious player in the paint and and they've got some nice pieces around them and they seem to have less less drama going on this year (laughs) for whatever whatever reason it just seems like they're going about their business they're defending at a high level everybody seems to be bought in the uh the shot selection which was atrocious at the beginning of last season is is much better um they're playing inside out and uh, I think this is this Penny's probably maturing as a coach himself as he gets a little bit more experience under his belt. So I think this will be a this will be an interesting game. Auburn's uh, you know they're eight zero, but they haven't really played anybody, if you will, to this point. Um, I mean, they have a nice home win over a good St. Louis team, but outside of that, uh, not a lot of really challenging uh, teams that can challenge them athletically. And this Memphis team certainly can. Uh, we got Brian Mole with us uh, here. Some other key games tomorrow. I mean, I think all of these are, are key for the American. By the way, before we get into this, uh, right now, AAC, is it a multi-bid league in your mind? Well, if, if we were, you know, we're a quarter of the way through the season, how's the American trending? Because I know beginning of the year, you thought three, maybe four. I did. I was optimistic in the summer as I was breaking down the rosters and just looking at the nature of the league. I thought it would be a little top heavy, but sometimes that can be a good thing for a conference that's trying to get multiple bids because you can kind of beat up on the bottom half and then just, uh, you know, split at home and home or whatever with the top. I I just don't feel like uh, Tulane and Cincinnati, who are the most likely candidates, have done enough at this point. And, And quite frankly, have had some disappointing results. Tulane losing at home to Fordham was uh, was not good for their resume whatsoever. So I think it's a two-bid league as we speak. Certainly, uh, I guess best-case scenario would be that Houston and Memphis would get at larges and somebody else would steal mm-hmm. the tournament bid mm-hmm. um, as, as we go looking forward. I'm not saying that all hope is lost for Cincinnati, but uh, they certainly uh, have some head-scratching results at this point, losing the game in Northern Kentucky. 
you know, again, their their victory over Louisville most years would be a good victory, but this is an epically historically bad Louisville team, so that's not going to help them in the big picture. And now they get a chance with their crosstown rival Xavier, who's enjoyed a bit of a resurgence un, uh, under Sean Miller, uh, 2.0, yeah, coming back and, uh, and and really injected some life into that program, which has been floundering a bit the last two or three years. So, uh, you know, anytime they get that game on their home court. Uh, they certainly feel like they need to win it, and I would agree that is the case this year if they have hopes of making the 68-team field. Yeah, that, that's got that rivalry uh, flavor uh, to it, uh, the Skyline Chili game. And then you have uh, tomorrow at 1, a big five matchup, Temple and Penn. Uh, look, I think the American's going to be very, very tough in the middle like it always is. And then a couple other games, I think, that are key tomorrow for the teams, but you know, just to maybe get something going as you get into – an important time of year as far as practices go. I think Buffalo Tulane's interesting. I think it's just probably be a pretty good little basketball game. That's also being played in Atlanta. It's kind of the leadoff game there tomorrow. It's interesting. Those two are playing on a neutral floor. And then Wichita State's got a uh, representative Longwood program in tomorrow uh, at uh, four out in uh, Coke Arena in Wichita. And, uh, you know, th- those are all teams, I'm sure if you talk to their head coaches, they'd all tell you, you know, now is when we need to start making our move as we have an eye towards conference. No doubt. This is always a very interesting time of the year to me in college basketball because we've had this mad dash of teams playing 8, 10, 11 games in a very short window. And now it's almost a period of two or three weeks where you exhale. You have exams and certainly the holiday break coming up. Um, it gives uh, coaches every opportunity to assess what they have, especially in this transfer portal era where you're trying to implement a lot of new players at a lot of places and kind of figure out what works, throw out what doesn't, and go forward. Uh, you're starting to see uh, around the country some tightening of rotations as we, you know, coaches get ready for conference play and figure out the seven, eight, nine guys who can help them win basketball games. And, uh, you know, this time of year, you just have to be careful with motivation and uh, where teams are at mentally. Uh, certainly, I mean, there's cases where, where a player may have a big exam and uh, a stressful situation and then have to play a basketball game the next day, and you just hope that he's he's fully engaged. Uh, so you'll see some odd results this time of the year, and I think the teams that can just kind of trudge forward and keep making progress, uh, will uh, it'll be very beneficial to them. Because, look, these games, while you know, most people forget them once we get into conference play, these games are all, often the deciding factor in whether a team is on the right side of the bubble or on the wrong side. Yeah. Uh, Brian Mole with us here, uh, collegeinsider.com, Blue Ribbon uh, College Basketball Yearbook. Uh, we've got uh, Coppin State at ECU. You saw the Pirates uh, with your own eyes. Coppin comes in, Juan Dixon. That's a well-documented story. Uh, and uh, he's got some really good guards. He's got Sam Sessoms, who could score it, who was a uh, big-time player in the NEC before he went to Penn State and uh, scored the ball fairly well for the Nittanys. Uh, and then they've got uh, Ninda Tark, who uh, was the national leader in steals a year ago. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, so they've got a they, look. This is not, not maybe the toughest of putts, but the Pirates coming off a, a stretch where they've lost three or four are going to, as a young team, need to have their head on straight Sunday. No doubt. This Coppin team will put pressure on you with their pace and ability to score. And as you mentioned, Sessoms. Uh, to hear a coach like Juan Dixon, who certainly played the guard position as well as anybody in the last 20 years at the University of Maryland, or, or, or maybe it's even been longer than that now. I, I, yeah, 20 <laughs> years. Yeah. 
But uh, to hear him uh, just rave about Sessom's ability to run a team and play uh, point guard and what he was going to mean to them, uh, and, and it's really come to fruition. They've had some nice wins beating Navy, uh, beat, beat local rival Loyola Maryland, and uh, certainly played a difficult schedule going to places like Maryland and NC State and Towson. Um, but they're going to put pressure on you because they're going to keep pushing the pace, and they're going to, uh, as you mentioned, Sessoms and Tart can put the ball in the hoop, and uh, they're, you know, they're trying to score 75 or 80 points, so you've got to be able to match that to beat them. Uh, it's one of those games that uh, if East Carolina's not ready, they can look up at the scoreboard and be down 15-4 to four in a hurry, and Coppin could have all kinds of confidence. So uh, certainly a, a good opportunity for, for the Pirates to kind of reset, and uh, I think Mike Schwartz is getting a good handle on, uh, on his rotation and, and his team and kind of what he needs from guys going forward. And certainly they've been much better. Like most teams around the country, they've been much better at home, East Carolina, than than on the road. Brian, you saw the Pirates uh, with your own eyes Tuesday. What do you make of uh, where this team is right now? Yeah, I see some some potential. Um, I I, I need to see – I wanted to see somebody take charge. Um, I didn't really see that uh, alpha presence that you need in a heated environment against a, a somewhat of a rival on the road, uh, somebody who could just take charge and go get a couple of buckets to kind of stem the tide when the momentum was, was working against East Carolina. I think that's something that um, is going to have to develop as they, before they get into conference play. Certainly Javon Small seems to be the, uh, the prime candidate who could do that. Felton has shown flashes as well. Just need a little more consistency, I think, from from ECU. I think Mike Schwartz would tell you that. Just, you know, we've certainly seen flashes from uh, from different players as as he's gone fairly deep into his bench. But uh, it's time now for for a core group of of eight or nine. Um, you know, Ezra Sar, I think, has got a super bright future. I mean, what a good looking freshman he is. Brandon Johnson, we all know what he can do as well. So, I mean, there there are candidates, um, but uh, just. Uh, got to step up and, you know, be able to make shots and, and learn how to win on the road. I mean, this, this ECU team just has so many guys who've never really played a meaningful role in a road game. And, um, you know, I think that was apparent on uh, Tuesday night. All right, Brian Mull with us. We've got uh, a little bit ago, Hubert Davis saying Armando Baycott uh, had an AC sprain in his shoulder, trending upward, worked out yesterday. Uh, should be in action against Georgia Tech tomorrow. And Hubert also saying wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Washington, the freshman, makes his season debut tomorrow. So even if you have maybe Baycott at 80% or whatever he may be, there was not a one of those percentages attributed to him. Uh, but if Baycott is not healthy, obviously this is a Tar Heel team that's, that's going to struggle. And then I, 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 you, I know you're really – Anxious to see what Jalen Washington can do. Yeah, I mean, he's a top 50 recruit and certainly brings some some size and athleticism to their front court. And, uh, you know, you can get by with a three-man post rotation, but it seems like Carolina's kind of been trying to survive with two, even though we've seen other players and maybe quite aren't ready or, you know, in bits and pieces. Puff Johnson's had some good moments. But I think uh, for this UNC team to reach its potential, they need Washington to get up to speed pretty quickly and uh, really don't don't have a lot of time to do it. I mean, certainly you, they're a heavy favorite tomorrow against Georgia Tech, and then have kind of a you know a pushover game against the Citadel. Mm-hmm. But when you start looking beyond that, uh, going to face a tough Ohio State team on a neutral court, and then uh, playing Michigan and Charlotte, I mean, certainly uh, they need to be 
uh, firing on, on more cylinders than they are right now. And they've got to start making some shots. And, and to do that, I think they have to start taking some better shots. I think the ball uh, is getting stuck offensively in uh, the guards' hands at times. And uh, I know Baycott's been banged up, but if he's on my team, uh, you've got to feed him. He, he draws fouls at such a high rate and just puts so much pressure on the defense. And if he misses the first shot, he's an elite offensive rebounder. Good things happen when Baycott touches it. So they, they need him back, even if it's at 80%, and they need him uh, touching the basketball more frequently in the half court. Should be a fun day of hoops tomorrow, uh, that UNC game against Georgia Tech 315, and we will have uh, coverage on uh, Groove and Oldies 94.1 and 97.9 if you're interested in uh, that, if you're running around doing shopping. All right, Brian, uh, do appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, Patrick, have a great weekend. You too. I didn't want to put Brian through talking about uh, Florida State and and Louisville are playing tomorrow. Wolf. Ugh. First to 40? Well, that'll do it for today's uh, program. Big thanks to Brian Mull for being on with us. Sorry we didn't get Julio on. We'll uh, we'll talk to him uh, next week. Thanks to Ben Byram for his uh, production efforts today. And uh, don't forget Pirate Basketball on Sunday with uh, Coppin State at ECU at 2 o'clock. You can hear the game right here on 94.3. The game coverage begins an hour before. All right. Uh, have a great and safe weekend, everybody. And... Uh, uh, certainly uh, enjoy the weekend ahead. We'll see you run, Monday.